0: Welcome to Is This Working? A podcast hosted by two best friends who have honest conversations about money, careers, and success. With me, Anna Codrarado,
1: and me, Tiffany Filippo. This week, we're talking about ambition.
0: Yes, we are. Because where the hell is our ambition gone in this pandemic?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of coverage about um, ambition lately, it feels like. It feels like that's kind of the next phase. Everyone was talking about burnout and now we're talking about ambition. Um, and there definitely seems to be a lot of disillusionment that's been brought on by the pandemic around all the myths we've been told about hard work and rewards and be ambitious, you can achieve what you want. Um, I mean, those things were all bollocks anyway, but I think the pandemic has proved that for people, they've made that even more of a daily reality of how much that that is just simply not true. So I think there's something really interesting happening now where people are questioning, which is what we do in this podcast, everything we've ever been taught about work.
0: Yeah, exactly. And ambition plays such a big role in that. And it is exactly as you say, where we feel as though everything we've known to be true or the sort of myths that we bought into are all unraveling. And it's it's I think it's a really interesting topic that I'm really excited for us to t- to dive into because a lot of people see and I feel I can't count myself in this. I think they feel like their ambition has disappeared in the pandemic. But actually Having done a bit of research into what ambition actually is and looking into it for this episode, I think actually there's something there's something deeper going on that I think is going to be really interesting for us to dive into. Um but yeah, I mean, do you what how do you feel? Do you feel like your ambition has waned in the last year? Or how do you think, how do you feel about the pandemic's effect on on, um, on your ambition?
1: Um, short answer is no. If anything, I'm more ambitious than ever. Um, I'm someone who very much leans into my ambitious identity. I enjoy being ambitious and I enjoy working with ambitious people. Um, and I know we're going to delve into the pros and cons of ambition and the complex relationship you have with it. But for me, it hasn't been impacted by the pandemic I am very ambitious with regards to the type of life I want to lead and how I want to get there. And a lot of that comes from caring more about what matters in life and meaning and purpose and those types of things. So, if anything, the last year or so has motivated me even more to build and create and work towards the life that I want. Um, I think what I'm seeing now is people are perhaps experiencing burnout. And we do have more than one podcast episode about burnout. So do check those out. And I think part of burnout, which is a lot about disillusionment with not getting back what you've put in, is therefore manifesting people saying, oh, well, I'm not ambitious anymore or ambitious is futile. Um, But how about you? What are you experiencing? I completely agree with
0: that. Just to pick up on that point that I've definitely seen a lot of chatter on social media and also in, um, I guess, in media articles, trying to sort of put all sorts of diagnoses on various things that people are feeling and, you know, talking about how the ambition has, ero- uh, sorry, how the pandemic has eroded ambition when actually when you sort of scratch beneath the surface, really what they're talking about is burnout. Um, and it does just make me think that um, actually we use this term burnout and a lot of people don't actually know what it means. So highly encourage anyone listening to who thinks you might be burnt out to go back and listen to our burnout episodes because what we want to talk about today is is actually slightly different. Um, so I completely agree with you on that point. Um, for me, I definitely started feeling a lack of motivation or like I found it harder to go after the things that I wanted. And that is something that is very not in keeping with who I am because I do identify as an ambitious person and I have historically been able to set myself a goal and go for it. And even sometimes just setting goals for the sake of it. Like I sort of think about the time I ran a half marathon and I don't even like running. Um, I actually did some thinking about this. And for me, it was more about just the thought of going after a goal. And I started referring to this as goal fatigue. Which is what art with term that I thought I had made up uh, and that I had coined for myself because I was trying to sort of capture how yes on the one hand yes I was burnt out but it also didn't feel quite like I had exp- how I had experienced burnout in the past so I was sort of thinking that there is something kind of specific here about it's how I just I just can't really bring myself to go off go after big goals and I do think part of that is that you know we're living in a time when there's so much uncertainty that actually it's it's also just Quite hard to set some to set a goal and then strive for it because there are so many things that are out of your control. Especially, you know, we've spoken about this before and on the podcast. But I'm someone who I'm much more interested in process goals than outcome goals. So much more interested in kind of um, doing something because I'm going to enjoy the process of doing it, um, rather than going for something because I want the the final kind of like output of it. Um, but however, even right now, even the process of doing something is so uncertain because to a large extent the reason process goals are sort of quote unquote better than outcome goals is that you have um you almost have more control over the process. So if you focus on the doing rather than the outcome. So if, say for example, I, you know, I want to um get fit. So an outcome goal would be, Oh, I want to lose X amount of weight, but a process goal is oh, I'm going to work out three times a week. Um, and you have more control over that. Well, the problem is, is that over this kind of last year, like, yes, of course I can still go and try to like do my workouts, but still I'm battling against groundhog day, gyms being closed. All of these things it just feels like the odds are much more stacked against me. Anyway, to cut a very long explanation short, I looked into this um, and I wrote a piece about it for my newsletter. And actually, this idea of goal fatigue is a known thing in um, in organisational behaviour because it's really to do with the fact that you know we basically we're tying emotions to our goals, and at the moment there are so many conflicting emotions swirling around in us that just that exhausts us. Um, so I think that for me is how my ambition has been affected. Um, but, and we will go into this, what I have learned from doing research into this for this podcast episode is actually that um, ambition is actually to, a lot more to do with who we are as people. So to a large extent, I think there is more than just, oh, uh, you know, the pandemic has kind of like thrown everything up in the air and therefore I feel like I can't focus there is actually a lot more going on that's kind of much more to do with our identity and our and our our feelings of our own self and being
1: well should we get into that should we delve into what ambition actually means and you can share with us your research
0: Uh, I do I do love nerding out and doing my homework and doing a bit of research um so Long-time listeners of the show will know that I do love to start by defining things. And actually this was a really interesting exercise because ambition is one of those words that lots of us use but but the definition is actually really specific. And I think, um, it's not, I don't want to say people are misusing it, but it's just really interesting to kind of like drill down into sort of specific words. And also another thing that I found in doing, doing looking at this is that actually, um, you know, it's, it's such a big part of things like success and work and careers and all of this stuff. And yet actually quite a poorly understood concept in terms of social science. But anyway, the actual definition of ambition is an ardent desire for rank, fame or power. Um, and I think that a lot of us sort of, when we think about ambition, (laughs) we think about how, oh, you know, it's basically a strong desire to achieve a goal, but actually, um, that's actually aspiration and ambition is a lot more to do with, um, these kind of like external markers like fame and power. Um, and of course, you know, what is fame and power it is a sliding scale uh but actually that is what ambition means and interestingly again i think it's it is important to talk about ambition in relation to aspiration because they are often confused um Aspiration involves striving towards a specific goal, whereas ambition is actually a personality trait. Um, It's a behavior that kind of manifests over an extended period of time. So you have an ambitious person when they are continuously going after new goals and kind of like furiously pursuing them. Um, And, you know, I think we, I, I don't know where I stand on sort of the idea of, I I don't believe in kind of like, you know, fixed personality traits necessarily, but I do believe that, you know, there are just some things that some of us just innately are. And ambition actually falls into, ambition is one of those things. So now Tiffany, that I have said that ambition is a ardent desire for rank, fame or power. And you said you're an ambitious person. How does that feel?
1: Well, I'll tell you the journey I went on. Um, I went, ooh, I don't want to admit to be someone who goes after rank, fame, or power. That's not cool. Um, and then I thought about how actually, there are elements of there there are elements of me and what I want to achieve that do fall under those categories, but very much for me as a means to an end. So I then began to sit a bit more comfortably with that and I can happily explain that but on top of that when you talk about it as a trait like there is an inherent trait in me and maybe that's how I was born maybe it's the immigrant background maybe it's being a second sibling as you say like whatever it might be this um this this week I mean again we can delve into the work work therapy but whatever it is that that is the truth of who I am um However, saying that, um, I can sit with it comfortably because I also know two things which have primarily come from having done a lot of work in like the growth space. One is a lot of us give ourselves conditional love, um, So we say that we're worthy to ourselves of love if we achieve certain things. And I've done a lot of work. Um, I'm literally doing this thing this week where you like stare at your childhood picture and uh, give yourself unconditional love. So um, I'm doing a lot of work in this space. Um, And the other thing we do, which is dangerous, is I'll be happy when, and circumstantial happiness. So because I know those, because I have a slight awareness around that, I have comfort in the fact that yes i am ambitious i thrive in striving for goals but i also know that like my happiness or worthiness isn't related to those goals so that's a journey i went on it's interesting because the word aspiration to me always looks like you're sort of looking up i always associate it with like being jealous of an influencer on instagram so i found that definition also quite interesting it it never aspiration always seemed quite passive to me as in language wise whereas you put it here that it's about striving, which I think is quite interesting. It is really interesting. And I mean, I mean, to a large
0: extent, very few people are sitting and reading dictionary definitions. I think it's more, it's, it's more about kind of what, um, what sort of culturally and linguistically kind of like how we're just using words. And I think probably a lot of people may, might agree um with how you've sort of identified the difference between ambition and aspiration. And actually um, aspiration feels a bit more um I, I like that idea of it feeling a bit more I, I relate to that idea of it feeling more passive. Um it's almost kind of like but anyway, these these are these are actually the definitions. And I think that they are interesting to kind of think about. And also something I just wanted to back up a bit on. Um this idea of kind of how we talk to ourselves in terms of um unconditional love I think is really interesting can you explain that a bit more before we go on because there's a lot to unpack in what you just said um and but I want to start there
1: um I think that a lot of people will relate to this um and this is the problem with the self-improvement industry um we something happens as we grow up along the way that means we lose that like childlike innocence or whatever it might be and um I think we do say to ourselves and the varying level of consciousness is around this but like oh if I go to the gym I'm a better person if I lose weight I'm a better person if I get a boyfriend I'm a better person um if I get that promotion at work then I'm worthy we don't look at ourselves like how we might look at a child in your life so um if everyone listening was to just take a moment and think of a child that they know and just conjure up that image in the, in front of them. Imagine giving them and saying to them the conditional love that you give yourself and the stuff that's running through your head all day. It's uncomfortable and horrible.
0: And so. Yeah. You would never, you would never put all of that shit on a small kid.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, and I think it's just really, um, I just think it's, we need to think about that and we need to think about how we move through the day with regards to punishing ourselves and being hard on ourselves. And, and, and I think that is something that happens a lot. And we also can sometimes do it towards other people, but that's a whole other, um, a whole other thing that, that could be its own, its own show. Um, but there is something around the darker side of ambition, which is around that conditional, value we give to ourselves. And I think that's when ambition can be something to be a little bit more wary of. Well, there is definitely something
0: in that because there is for sure, if you think about the way we talk about ambition and how there is a sort of inherent paradox to it, because if you're not ambitious enough, then you, that's not, that's not good, good in the eyes of society, because if you're not ambitious enough, you're essentially not fulfilling your potential. You're not, you're not striving for more. You're not bettering yourself. You're basically, you're, you're not worthy. But then if you are too ambitious, you are greedy, you're power hungry, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's more, it's not a virtue. It's, you know, then, then ambition not becomes not a virtue, but a sin. So it's kind of, and, you know, you add into the mix when you talk about sort of ambitious women and it sort of takes on its own edge and it just, you know, it's, it's just all a mess basically. But um, just to back up a bit about what you were talking, what, you know, how we were talking about ambitious ambition being a, trait and being part of us, and you actually touched on this in terms of kind of like what you, in terms of birth order, basically, well, there was a very interesting study from the University of Minnesota, which I will link to in the show notes, which essentially looked at why some people are more ambitious than others um, and to start with the authors defined ambition as the persistent and generalized striving for success, attainment and accomplishment, and also noted that ambition does involve goal setting. Um, but it's more than just a kind of like need to achieve because people who, um, who are only motivated to achieve tend to focus on developing skills and competence rather than pursuing material rewards. Whereas ambition is specifically concerned with obtaining either money or prestige. So again, it kind of goes back to this idea that there, there is this sort of like, that there is like a sort of, um, material, element to ambition um but anyway so um the authors looked at kind of like 60 years of um sort of like life cycle data um and kind of like looked at but essentially kind of like looked at sort of like a period of like a whole like a whole person's life and to to sort of study ambition and they found amongst the various things that sort of were um kind of present in ambitious people was, one of them was birth order. So the youngest child in the family is often compared to their older, more skilled sibling. Um, and then this, I can have one of two effects, either the youngest child withdraws because he's, he or she be- feels kind of like incapable or they become super ambitious. Um, and it's that kind of, you know, early experience of competition elicits this kind of like drive that they must be better than everyone else so that's kind of like one reason
1: and just to interrupt um, uh, i am a second and younger sibling <laughs> and uh to a very talented older sibling so we can tell which 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 of those two choices i made as a little child of how to be there you go well i'm I am. Um, I'm an only
0: child, so I don't, it doesn't actually didn't say anything in the research about um, what happens with only children. But anyway, um, and then the other two. The, I mean, there are lots of kind of like factors that sort of like um, predict whether or not someone someone will be um, ambitious. But the other two, I just wanted to pull out, so I thought they were really interesting. One is ego driven ambition. So if a person has a really big ego. Um, and is also equipped with bravery, Um, they're likely to be ambitious. So their bravery bravery allows them to pursue grand, big goals. And their ego gives them the belief that they deserve a better life. So if you've got this combination, that is like extreme ambition. And you know, you can, you can see that in, um, you know, that reading that made me think of politicians. Um, and you know the role that ego plays um
1: I would say relate to those things as well I say I I would say I pursue grand goals and I believe that I would like a better life I'm not sure about the word deserving but I certainly would like more financial freedom than what I have now and um I definitely have really big goals um and
0: then Lastly, there's insecurity and ambition. Well, not lastly, but the last point I'm going to make on this. But um, I, again, I will link the um, the research in the show notes because it's super interesting. Um, but yeah, so the last point I was going to make is about insecurity and ambition. Because if someone is insecure, they can become really ambitious because insecurity puts someone under extreme psychological pressure, which leads them to do one of two things either they become extremely ambitious in an effort to change their life and put an end to this insecurity. Or again, it's kind of the same with the birth order. You sort of withdraw and opt out. Um, And there was kind of like a note in the research that, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of billionaires and sort of like the super ultra successful people who came, who grew up from poverty and um, created kind of like extreme, um, like wanted to get out of that kind of feeling of extreme financial insecurity. It's that sort of... It's the rags to riches story that so many of so so many people love to read, but uh, you know it it is it's true. So
1: yeah, I mean, and it makes perfect sense. If you've grown up with the reality of financial insecurity, you are going to be focused on not living life like that because you've seen the stress and destruction and the impact it has on relationships and things like that. Um, so that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, I think it's and I think it's really interesting to and this is where I actually think the pandemic effect actually is very is 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 not what we think it is on things like ambition. Because to me, reading all of this makes me realize that ambition is actually something that's very embedded in our identity and is a lot about who we are. Um, and actually when you kind of like read the stories of ambitious people, they always start, you know, so many of them start with some kind of like trauma or you know very difficult circumstances in their childhood or you know whatever it might whatever it might be so it's, it is actually very personal um and so actually it's not so much that um oh we're just kind of like tired from the pandemic and everything is hard and blah blah it's actually that so many of us have been sitting around and thinking and have kind of essentially having these sort of like identity crises and so if we're questioning whether or not we're really an ambitious person essentially we're really questioning like who the hell even are we um and i think it's it's think it's more around that and i think it's more about kind of like people just really having a kind of like come to jesus moment and thinking what you know who am i what am i doing um It's it's those kinds of like very big existential questions I think that people are having rather than like, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of like, and that's not to say I'm not, of course, like dismissing the sort of the huge mental health impacts of the pandemic, because of course that plays a massive role too. But I do think that there is something like a lot deeper happening as well.
1: I find a lot of comfort in you pulling out that it's a lot about who we are and where we've come from, because I think there is a lot of shame around ambition. As you said earlier, you're too ambitious, you're not ambitious enough. But what if we accept and realize that that's part of our story and it affects how we're responding to our different circumstances and who we are, and actually just feel a bit more comfortable with ourselves and how we choose to be and respond whether that's to withdraw and not be ambitious, or to be or operate in an ambitious way. I think having comfort in that is part of how we came to be. I certainly feel comforted by that, and it makes me feel less shame for sitting on the ambitious side of the the, the scale. And I hope that other people will also uh, not feel, yeah, not feel bad for which which one of the sides that they are for sure and I think also a big part
0: of this is that again thinking about what's been happening in the pandemic I think to to make to really oversimplify things people have felt very scared for the last year still probably are and when we're scared actually we want to know that other people feel the same way and what has been really kind of eye-opening and I think quite humbling and also it's been almost quite a beautiful thing to sort of like witness is this kind of like how so many people have kind of like united over feeling over having the same struggles you know particularly at the beginning of the pandemic when the whole entire world was just stuck at home and we all were in the same boat we all understood what each person was going through because we were going through it as well however as we've got deeper into it as you say, we all have our own stuff that we bring to any crisis or any experience. And then we react in different ways. And it's so much about who we are. And so I think we're kind of getting at, we're getting to the phase where actually people, people are responding and feeling differently. And I know for myself that there was this moment where, you know, I would say, I I would say, oh, I feel this. And everyone would say, oh my God, yeah, me too. I I, can, I feel like that too. But now we're at a point where it's, people are reacting and feeling different things. you know use an example of how we're easing out of lockdown, how some people are so excited to jump head first and kind of like, you know, they want to do, they, they want to completely change their lives and they're going to do all these things and they can't wait to get back in the nightclubs and, and all of this. And then other people are actually really nervous and they still want to wear masks everywhere. And they, they actually quite like being indoors or whatever it might be. It's just people, people are, it's, you know, we're back to kind of our differences, essentially, um, and and I think it's just worth remembering that almost taking that compassion that we had when we were all in the boat in the same boat, and some but bringing that forward and still essentially being able to continue to be compassionate even when 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 things look different for different people. Should we take a quick ad break? Yes, let's take a break, and we will come back with more ambitious conversations
1: if you enjoy this podcast you may also enjoy the writer's co-op hosted by Wu Dan Yan and Jenny Gritters The Writer's Co-op focuses on what it's like to run a freelance business of your own and writers Rudan and Jenny are candid about talking about freelance pay, contracts, saying no to work and more.
0: This season, every episode features a live coaching session with freelancers. The goal is to dig into issues like imposter syndrome, developing confidence, choosing between freelancing and a full-time job, money mindsets, finding balance in work and life and so much more. You can listen anywhere you find your podcasts.
1: People often presume that ambitious people are insecure and need these external validation and markers of success. But there is something quite interesting that ambitious people actually have a huge amount of self-belief and also a lot of self-esteem because they hold these really high goals and they genuinely believe they're going to get them. Uh, I'm on the school of thought, you won't get them unless you believe you're going to get them. And I'll never forget before I, when I was trying to get my book, a book deal, I remember my therapist being like, whoa, you've got a lot of self-belief there. (laughs) And um, I think there's something really interesting in that because I think people presume that ambitious people might be insecure, whereas actually the opposite is true. Well, I think it it definitely,
0: I think reading that research made me think that there's also, there's different types of ambitious people, right? Because it, as I just kind of read those out, there's, you know, the ego driven and then, then there is the insecure driven. And I think, I guess what you're saying is that most people assume that it's all insecurity driven, when actually there is also ego um, is a big part of it as well. And I think that is where this difference between when we talk about ambition and when we talk about sort of other traits or aspiration or other things, um, where we kind of don't understand that it does also, that there is those different types of, you know, what drives ambition. Because if I think about myself, I definitely characterize myself as someone who is ambitious, but I think mine my ambitious my ambition probably doesn't come from i definitely have a massive ego but i don't think that's what's driving my ambition i think i identify more with the sort of the insecurity or the kind of um i don't know i guess maybe needing to prove myself um but nonetheless that's not to say that there aren't again it's it's that there are so many different things that make us make us who we are and also then influence how we operate in the world so i just think it's really interesting to hear you say that your ambition is a lot more associated with positive self-belief and it's it's almost it's kind of this makes me this discussion makes me think back to the conversation we had with emma gannon um in a previous episode about sabotage and how actually not all self-sabotage not all self not all sabotage is a bad thing and that sometimes it's our you know our inner voice is telling us something because actually it's we need we need to back away from something and i think it's i think this is sort of sits in a similar kind of realm
1: well i just keep thinking about politicians um partly that is actually on my career list like dream career list It's a bit of a politician but ruthless ambition is i re- i want tiffany to be
0: chief spin doctor for the prime minister maybe I should be prime minister you could be my spin doctor although I don't really want to be prime minister see I, I just like I, working
1: yeah I mean the hours seem quite brutal so maybe it's not for me but um the I, I am fascinated by politics and, and and a lot of the things that politicians do, do does really interest me but there's this ruthless ambition that's associated with politicians and there's that uh, trope of the kind of sleazy climbing the ladder trying to do all these things but if we're to take a step back and I've met a lot of politicians as well because I used to go to a lot of political events and all these sorts of things and um, you know what a lot of them are actually public servants who want to change the world or change their country and make it better and the only way you can do that is if you win and get into power so ambition really can be a means to an end and people can sort of shame you for it, but you can't really achieve much. And the politician example is a perfect example. You can't achieve much without that striving to win. It's as simple as that. I mean, I completely agree. This makes me think
0: of the TV show, The Bold Type, and how in one of the, I think it was in one of the later seasons, um, Cat, one of the main characters, she kind of gets involved with um, some local politics in New York and um, meets up with um, a councilwoman who is, you know, she really, really wants to make change in her local community, but she just does not play the political game and doesn't know how to kind of play that game and she just wants to kind of help people. And ultimately she had to, she has to step out of the race because she doesn't know how to win. And so then she, therefore it's just never going to work out. And, and and that's not to say that it's, it's just, it is a, it's not a great system where you sort of winning there becomes the means winning, winning is the means to, to an end because I would imagine that that probably does give rise to a problem of well, I'm only winning because I need to play the game so that I can enact all of the things I want to enact. But then actually you get so caught up in the winning. Um, It's kind of the same with sort of climbing the career ladder. And it's that same thing of, oh, well, you know, um, I don't like the way my boss treats me. So I'm going to do everything I can. To climb the ladder, and then when I get to the top I'm going to change how things are done, but by the time you get to the top, you've forgotten what it was like to be at the bottom so it's 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 that it's complicated basically um, but I definitely hear what you're saying that ultimately it's also a really you know if you if you want to make if you want to be a public servant and you want to change things well you kind of also have to, it's it's that constant struggle of how do I change the system from within? Because to kind of like mount some massive campaign to completely overhaul how we even do politics, you're definitely not going to kind of, in your lifetime, you're not going to see the change that you wanted to see happen. So it's just, it's a real tricky one.
1: Yeah. And I think what you were talking about there is around not losing sight of the means to an end. So the danger is you start your career whatever that might be and I mean if we're to if we're to uh shrink the context so obviously we've talked about a political concept context what about if we talk about the creative work we do or this podcast that we do if we forget why we started this what its true purpose is in our lives and how we seek to engage with our listeners and become obsessed with the growth and the numbers and the fame and the spawn deals and all that kind of stuff and we lose sight of of, of its true origin and purpose then that's that's when it gets dangerous so it's important to constantly find a way to connect with why you started something or why you were doing it and what was important about it to you. Because hungry ambition with no purpose, is it's it's literal hunger. Like it's never satisfied. You can't fill it up. And that is a very dissatisfied way of existing in the world. For a hundred percent. I
0: mean, so much of this also makes me just think about how, you know, ultimately I think what we're both sort of, spinning around the issue here is that I think it's how it's, it's our own relationship with our, with, with our, with our ambition in that um, you lean much more into your identity as an ambitious person. Whereas I feel more ambivalent about mine. And when I think of being, I, I, definitely self identify as an ambitious person, but when I think of ambition I think of the kind of like, you know, the rolling the boulder up the hill, the kind of, you know, the sissy first and sort of, I'm um, keep, I, I think what I struggle with is I, I accept, and I'm very embracing of the fact that part of me is very ambitious and it's what makes me strive for things that I do also think that, you know, ultimately it's what made me do something like go out and write a book that I truly believe in that I think will really help people. Um, and that is definitely the reason that book got written is because I'm in I am ambitious and I pushed for it and I and I did everything that I needed to do in order to make it happen. But then at the same time, I think the other half of my ambitious side, then as soon as that book is done, it's kind of like, well, now what? And I'm not able just to sit in the enjoyment of the achievement. And what I do is kind of going back to what you're talking about with your sort of your own. I don't, I don't know if this is really about unconditional love or, uh, or conditional love or whether this is something else, but. I every time I achieve something, I always make up a story about why it's still not good enough. So, you know, my book, yeah, I'm super happy that I published a book, but my kind of inner critic is telling me like, well, it's a very niche book and it's nonfiction. So it's not a quote unquote real book. Same thing happened when I got a front page story in the New York Times. Well, yeah but it's still you know I still shared the byline with someone else and I didn't it wasn't my idea I was just you know I was kind of like brought into the project like all of this kind of like bollocks that happens in my head and all of these kind of like gremlins that essentially are just telling me like this isn't good enough and so therefore you must strive for the next thing um it's kind of as you you know you sort of mentioned that kind of um it's it's the same it's the other half of that coin about sort of that that hunger for me it's not about oh I'm just trying to win for the sake of winning for me it's essentially kind of like trying to fill some kind of void I suppose but it's that same thing of um and that's not to say of course I want I of course I want all of these things that I've achieved of course I believe in them um but there's still there's just still this kind of um you know internal monologue that's going on um that just makes it hard to sort of enjoy the actual achievement.
1: I can certainly relate to the element of not sitting and enjoying the achievement. And I'm sure we've talked about the concept of arrival fallacy on this podcast. It's a well-known thing where you get to where you want to and it doesn't feel as good as you expect it to. And what I find really helpful is to acknowledge that and to know that, like I know that I will not be happier in any shape or form, if I achieve the latest goal that's in my mind. And uh, the book, I mean, you know, the book the book thing, I keep coming back to but it's such a good example because I decided I wanted to get my book published and I was almost obsessive about it. Like I changed every aspect of my life, like my living situation, huge financial sacrifices, like all these different things that I did to make it more likely to happen and then I got there and oh, I mean obviously I'll always remember when I got the phone call saying we'd got an offer and how that felt and that was amazing but you know got there cool okay next kind of thing but I kind of knew that was going to happen and I know that that's going to happen with my next set of things that I'm thinking about and that I want to achieve and actually I find a lot of comfort in that because I say to myself there's no I'll be happy when There's no contentment when or if. It's not if I, um, you know, tone up my tummy or, you know, get, uh, get to buy a flat or whatever things people think that they'll be happy when they achieve like that that's I I know for a fact that that's not actually what's going to happen and I actually find comfort in that because it makes me accept and find contentment in the in the present essentially it's a long-winded way of saying that but I do find the way I can find that happiness and contentment in the present is by accepting that a rival fallacy exists and I will not be better or feel better once I get to my goals
0: yeah, and I, I think that's something that we all need to strive towards, and I think it's something that I'm kind of consciously trying. you know, I'm fully aware all of all of this and I and I know I need to sort of embrace that and I know it intellectually, but it's still very hard to then put it into action. And then the also the other thing I'll say about this is you know, we were talking about how it's it's uncomfortable to sit in discomfort. Sometimes discomfort can actually be positive feelings as well. So I think for you know, think about how it sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable when people compliment us or when all the the attention is on us, that also can actually feel paradoxically or sorry, counterintuitively can feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I do find it uncomfortable when people are, um, it's that, I, I guess it's because, you know, people are genuinely proud of you and they do want to kind of like share in your achievement and they'll say things like oh my god you must feel like x y and z for publishing a book and it's kind of like yeah I do feel all these things but I also do also have weird feelings about it too and I'm also just really tired Um, and I don't know how to say these things without sounding incredibly entitled and ungrateful and making you feel like I'm not living up to what you think it might be like so it's it's you know it's just Sometimes what might seem on the surface as a positive feeling can actually create a lot of discomfort for someone.
1: I'd actually never thought about that before but it's so true. And on top of that you kind of expected to be humble as well. So you're kind of it's really challenging because you do feel I never I honestly never thought about that. It's so true. You do feel quite uncomfortable when people are like showering you with praise. Um and then at the same time you're kind of aware that you need to be humble and grateful because so much of these things come down to things like luck and privilege and all that sort of stuff so when people are like you're so deserving I'm always a bit like mm, you know I don't know like it's it's so it's so challenging um yeah sorry it's blown my mind slightly there <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm just thinking, of, I'm just thinking of it. Um. Well, it. I'm glad
0: you do bring that up, though, because I, I do. I've got a real problem with the word "deserve." Like, not n- we all. What do we? All, we just all deserve. This. We all deserve the same rights, you know. Like, we all deserve just to be able to live and as we are, it's safely without fear, you know. Beyond that, what no one deserves anything. Um. So. I have there's that, but something I've actually taken a lot of comfort in, which is related to this is, and and you sort of touched on it with the kind of actually a lot of, a lot of successes to do with luck and privilege. And I have been reading Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers recently, which was published quite a number of years ago now, but um, is such a, it's interesting because, I mean, the whole premise of the book is sort of, you know, actually success has got far less to do with ambition and talent and much more to do with, you know, circumstance and um how someone was brought up and their parents and all of that kind of stuff and actually it probably ties into what we're talking about how ambition is something that's a lot more to do with who we are and our background um and drills down to how actually even like kind of like what what year you happen to be born in and and like who your parents are like are much bigger predictors of your um, success than how hard you might work at something um, and I have taken equal parts comfort in that book and also it has massively bummed me out too because on the one hand I'm like oh okay well actually so many of these things are out of my hand and it's not about me it's about the system um, but then the other part of me is kind of like that's also very very frustrating because I'm at the there was a chapter in the book where it talks about actually like what what year you were born in has had can have a massive impact about um, on your success and it sort of looked at um, this kind of period after the Great Depression and I couldn't help but think like my god I wonder what the studies will say when they look at like the years that we were born in um, and what impact that had on kind of like our outcomes and actually if something as kind of you have absolutely no control over what year you were born in and if that is going to play such a big role it can feel a bit, it does sometimes, it, it, essentially as I'm reading it, my mind is going in one of two places. Like, oh my God, there is absolutely no point in even trying because if the odds are stacked against you, there's not much you can do. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, actually um, there is a lot of comfort to be taken from this as well. That this isn't, you know, it's not just about, it's not, I'm not just a, it's not, it's not my fault. There's so many things out of my control.
1: That's the second time you've brought up control because you were talking at the beginning about process goals and control. And I think there is a bit of freedom to be found in the rea- in the realization because pandemic or no pandemic, you the everything was uncertain and you didn't have control anyway. And I think work is one of those places where we feel like we've got the most control, but actually it's more it's an illusion and. I wonder, I certainly, what I'm taking away from this conversation is I cannot control the fact that I have inherent ambitious traits, that I am someone who thrives when they're striving towards something, who can be very focused and obsessive and make sacrifices to get there. Um, And that's how I enjoy, that's how I enjoy as a way of being at work, but in parallel, I um you know when you talked about what's the point in trying cuz i don't see control it's that intrinsic motivation thing because i enjoy that process but i have to be very aware that my worthiness my success my outcome will not be tied to my ambition and to sit with that fact and kind of like relinquish the control so that's something i'm taking away from this conversation and i certainly feel more comfortable with who I am and accepting it as a, as a, as a result, but also an important reminder to be very self-aware, to not just be insatiably striving for things for the sake of them.
0: I think that is a beautiful note to end this on because what a learning that is to take away. And, um, I think there's so much that people can relate to from that. I definitely really hear those very powerful messages in that. So, um, I think we should end it there and then all go off and ambitiously strive to relax and be comfortable and kind to ourselves. And I'm going to go and work on my political
1: campaign. <laughs> Till next time. Bye.
0: you are listening to is this working hosted by anna cogerado and tiffany Philippou, produced by chris bannister please like and subscribe and you can find us in all of your favorite podcasting apps and also just a quick note before we go to let you know that we are now giving talks at companies so if you would like to hear us live at your workplace Email us at isthisworkingshow at gmail.com and we will send you something that you can pass along to your head of people or HR department. Thanks very much.